you all so much for being here today. And thank you to the people of San Francisco for trusting me to continue to serve as mayor of such an incredible city. As we welcome a new decade, it's really worth taking a moment to reflect on how far we've come in this decade. In 2010, San Francisco was deep in the Great Recession and our workforce was in trouble. Our unemployment rate had more than quadrupled since 2000 and was at a 20-year high. Ten years later, we are riding the longest period of economic growth in our history, with one of the lowest unemployment rates in our city's history. The homicide rate has dropped to its lowest in more than 55 years. In the last decade, San Francisco's leadership on marriage equality, affordable health care, and medical cannabis became the laws of the land. We began the transformation of public housing and passed two massive affordable housing bonds. We made a record investment in our parks and our libraries. We modernized our Muni's fleet and made it free for those in need. We launched our clean energy program, dramatically reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We even got our hands dirty, replacing our sewer system. We passed paid family leave, a $15 minimum wage, and made City College free for all. We we built bike lanes, repaved our streets, we built the Presidio Parkway and the Moscone Center. We welcomed the Warriors home. We, we watched the Giants win it all, then do it again, then do it once more. And our Congresswoman gave up her gavel and won it back. and we became the capital of the resistance. Over the past decade, we've made great progress, but through it all, we've grappled with the twin troubles of homelessness and housing affordability. At the dawn of this new decade, they remain our greatest challenges, and they are what I want to talk about today. I was an intern in the mayor's office right here a quarter of a century ago. I had the privilege to walk up these stairs every day as a member of the Board of Supervisors. This building's beauty is timeless. It's spirit and inspiration. Earthquake and fire destroyed San Francisco's first city hall, but we built another even more magnificent than the first. Why? Why do we build these monuments? What do these marble stairs and golden dome, what does it mean to us? It isn't excess or vanity. It's a reminder. We build this temple of our civic democracy and we swing the doors open for everyone because it reminds us that our government is a collaboration that our successes and responsibilities are shared, our potential unbound, and that none of us would be left out in the cold. I take the oath of office today remembering 
that not too long ago, my ancestors were in chains. I've never found out exactly where they lived, but I know a bit about how they lived. I know their masters sat at tables eating generous meals they didn't prepare. I know they huddled outside, thoroughbred and beaten. I know they ate mush from a wooden trough, not with spoons, but with naked hands and makeshift tools. That they lived in a world where, as Frederick Douglass said, justice was denied, where poverty was enforced, where ignorance prevailed. The Civil War ended the bondage, but the inequity had only begun. The slave owners kept their lands, and the former slaves kept the nothing they already had. So with that nothing, most went back to work at the farms. They rented their labor as sharecroppers, or if they were lucky, tenant farmers. Generations of poor African Americans scraped by, living in fear that if they protested too loudly, that men in hoods would come. When the Depression hit, two of those sharecroppers, a young couple with 11 children, moved from Louisiana to Texas. Sometime later, their daughter, Ms. Camelia Brown came to San Francisco. She came in search of work. She came for something better. She came to raise her children in a place where they might be equal. My grandmother came here to believe in a city of hope, a city where a young black girl can go from public housing to the mayor's office. And she was right. San Francisco is so much more than our home. It's a refuge for the gay, lesbian, and transgender brothers and sisters from all over the country. It's the start of a new life for immigrants from Guatemala to Guangzhou and all points in between. It is the hope of dozens of generations of my family. It is the promise that everyone has a place in this city, that no one should be left out in the cold. So when we come to this hall or walk down Market Street and see the suffering of thousands of people outside our door, it hurts. It hurts not because we are callous, but because we care. The suffering on our streets, it offends our civic souls. And it should. But if we're going to do something about the conditions on the streets, we need to level with each other. Homelessness isn't new. It isn't easy. We are not the only city struggling with it. And quite frankly, we are not going to solve it in 100 days, a year, or even entirely in this term. And I'm not sure solve is the right word anyway. While the city has helped thousands of people out of homelessness, thousands more took their place. And sadly, sadly, there will always be people whose addiction or mental illness or poverty leads them down a dark path or puts them in need of help. Los Angeles has more than 36,000 homeless residents and a skid row that is its own tragic city within a city. Three years ago, San Diego had a hepatitis outbreak amongst its homeless population that killed 20 people. 
They had to spray their sidewalks with bleach to fight the infections. I point this out not to criticize those cities. I know how hard they are fighting to address these problems. Cities up and down the West Coast, Seattle, Portland, Oakland, Santa Rosa, and us are waging this fight. Homelessness is a national epidemic with too many American cities grappling with drug addictions and overstretched resources and insufficient housing. Now, now we haven't stopped sending our taxes to Washington, D.C., but they stopped sending back anywhere near enough for homelessness and affordable housing. So each year, San Franciscans write bigger and bigger checks, and we ask ourselves, why isn't it getting better? Why do we keep sending more money, yet the homeless count keeps going up? First, let's dispel some of the common but inaccurate, inaccurate explanations we hear. It's not because we aren't funding solutions. It's not because we are indifferent. No one, no one in my office, no one at the Board of Supervisors, no one in our city departments, no one who lives or works here is kicking back and throwing their hands up and pretending like we've been able to do something great. We are all living with it every day, working on it every day, frustrated by it every single day. Homelessness is so severe, so acute, up and down the West Coast for a few simple reasons. Housing is too expensive. Working class jobs are too uncertain and their wages too outpaced by the cost of living. Drugs, opioids, and meth in particular are too common. And decades after the state closed its mental hospitals, California still hasn't come to grips with how we're going to care for people who are severely mentally ill. <laughs> Homelessness isn't just a problem, it's a symptom. The symptom of unaffordable housing, of income inequality, of institutional racism, of addiction, of untreated illnesses, of decades of disinvestment. These are the problems, and if we want to fight homelessness, we got to fight them all. And, and in San Francisco, we are. We will meet our goal of opening 1,000 new shelter beds by the end of this year. We just opened a new navigation center along the Embarcadero Center, and our Bayview shelters break ground shortly. We just opened our first safe parking facility to help people who live in their vehicles. We're adding more than 200 new mental health beds, expanded treatment and outreach, and we are transforming how we deliver mental health and substance use treatment in our city. We have more permanent supportive housing units per capita than any other major city in the country. And we have 300 more supportive homes opening up in the next six months. We've expanded rental assistance and emergency problem-solving funds to help people avoid homelessness in the first place. We are expanding our new conservatorship program so that we can finally 
get people with mental illness who are suffering on our streets, who are unable to help themselves, the help and the support that they need. We are working. We are working to open meth sobering centers, safe injection sites, and managed alcohol facilities so we can stop walking by addiction spilling out on our streets and start treating it like the health care issue that we know it is. <laughs> I've directed our city departments to reprioritize spending towards making our streets safer and cleaner for all of us. We are writing ballot measures to build more mental health facilities and reform our business taxes to help support those programs. We are fighting for more support from the state. And in this election year, we will fight for a federal government that actually helps Americans in need, not one that uses human despair not one that uses human despair as a political weapon to go to war. To be clear, with these efforts will come a measure of what my grandmother used to call tough love. We are no longer accepting that compassion means anything goes on our streets. Yes, many people are sick, and we need to offer them help. But if they don't want it or can't accept services, then we will bring them into treatment. We will continue. We will continue to expand our services, our shelters, our housing, so that there is a place for everyone who is in need. And when we have a place for people to go, we cannot allow them to languish on the sidewalk. It's not humane, it's not compassion, and it's not safe for anyone. Every day, so many city workers, from our nurses to our doctors to our social workers to our street cleaning crews to our police officers, our medics, they're out there helping people and working to make a difference in our neighborhood. I'm so grateful to work alongside these dedicated public servants. They don't get the credit that they deserve, but please know we appreciate your work. But even though city workers, just like the people they spend every day helping, will be in trouble if we don't address the biggest issue of our time, housing affordability. If firefighters and teachers and muni drivers and nurses, the hearts and soul of San Francisco, can't afford a home in the city they serve, how is someone who struggles with low wages or no job at all supposed to stay housed? How? You know, frankly, I'm tired of hearing about a housing crisis because crises are unpredictable. They happen suddenly, and policymakers usually avoid them. Our housing problems were entirely predictable. They are the result of decades of almost intentional underbuilding and the decision 
the decision decades ago to downzone almost three quarters of the city and ban apartments. We don't have a housing crisis. We have a housing shortage. And if we want to relieve the pain on the streets and stop seeing our friends and family members move away in moving bans, we need to build more housing, preserve more homes, a lot more, and stop playing with the policies that make this possible. <clears throat> Over the next decade, in addition to our work on preserving thousands of permanently affordable homes, we need to build at least 50,000 new homes. At least 50,000 new homes. And at least 17,000 need to be affordable. And to get to 50,000, we can't let disingenuous warnings of shadows and height get in the way of badly needed housing. To get to 50,000, we need to recognize that density is not a dirty word. To get to 50,000, we have to push for solutions to build homes faster and support policies like SB 50 that will allow more multifamily housing all over the Bay Area. I'm committed to working with my fellow mayors across the region and the state to create more housing. Because just like homelessness, this is a regional and statewide issue. I'll be going to Sacramento to fight for it because we need more housing for our workers, for our families, for our seniors. Because our retail shops and restaurants can't hire people who can't afford to live here. Because San Francisco should be viable for all San Franciscans of all income levels. We can't say we need more housing and then reject the policies that actually allow us to build that housing. I wasn't here decades ago when we imposed restrictive laws to prevent new housing, but I will be here when we start building more homes throughout San Francisco and the entire Bay Area again. It is time. So here's what I want the next decade to look like. I want this to be the decade where we no longer walk by a person shooting up or a person who's shouting out of control or suffering on our streets and, and shrug our shoulders or turn away and wonder, what should I do? I am determined over the next four years to create enough places to take in people with addiction or mental health problems so that when you encounter someone in need, you can make a call and know that that person will get the help that they need. As I said before, compassion can no longer mean anything goes. I want this to be the decade when residents and visitors 
to our city can enjoy every neighborhood every single day without fear or crime of crime or unacceptable behavior. We have what we know is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. This is an incredible city. I want it to be lively. I want it to be diverse. I want it to be safe. And I know you all want that too. And I want this to be the decade when San Franciscans, from the multi-generational native to the just-arrived immigrant, can live with the confidence that he, she, or they, and their children will be able to call this city home for generations to come. We can be a vibrant and welcoming city, a city of affordable and diverse homes, a city where we come together and put aside our differences to meet the challenges that we know we all face with clarity and conviction. A city where we can care for one another, where our streets are safe and no one is left out in the cold. San Francisco can be the city that a sharecropper's daughter dreamed it to be. San Francisco can and will be a city for all of us. Thank you.